Follow-up is key to success in this business. Wholesaling, you have to follow up with your leads. Did you know that 48% of salespeople never follow up with a prospect? 25% of salespeople make the second contact and stop. 12% of salespeople make three contacts and stop. And only 10% of salespeople make more than three contacts. Here's where it gets really interesting, guys. 2% of sales are made on the first contact. 3% of sales are made on the second contact. 5% of sales are made on the third contact. 10% of sales are made on the fourth contact. And here's the powerhouse. 80% of sales are made on the fifth through twelfth contact. What does that mean for you? It means you need to follow up with your leads. You need to set your follow-up on autopilot by using a CRM. Visit dpipodcast.com forward slash CRM to learn more about the CRM that the discount property investors are using in their business. You can follow up with text, email, voicemails, all automatically. Get to the 5th and 12th contact faster and close more deals. Again, visit dpipodcast.com forward slash CRM. Welcome back to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. Our mission is to share what we have learned from our experience and the experience of others to help you make more money investing like a pro. We want to teach you how to create wealth by investing in real estate the discount property investor way. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, visit freewholesalecourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. Thanks for tuning in. All right, guys, welcome back to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. I am your host, David Dodge. My partner, Mike's out in the field running some appointments today. However, I have a very special guest on the show. I'm honored and I'm privileged to have Scott Oots on the show. He's an investor out of Southern California that primarily focuses on wholesaling in both Southern California and I think Texas. Am I right, Scott? Yeah, Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas. I love it. Scott, I met you uh, at Max's event a year and a half ago. And we haven't really had a chance to connect a whole lot since then other than meeting that first time. So I'm going to use that opportunity to get to know you, this opportunity to get to know you as well here. Um, but I want to thank you for coming on the show. I want to learn a little bit about what you're doing. And I'm sure that in the process of us chatting, there'll be some gold nuggets that fly out there for all of our listeners and all of our uh, viewers to help them build a better real estate business for themselves. So guys, you are listening to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. Let's keep it simple. You make your money when you buy, you get paid when you sell, but it all starts when you buy. One more thing before we start, guys, change your mindset, right? If you wanna be a wholesaler, you have to learn how to get really, really good at marketing. We are in the marketing business no matter what business we are in. Scott, thanks for coming on the show. Glad to have you. Let's talk a little bit about who is Scott and how he got started. Great. Uh, so I've been in the business wholesaling about five years, maybe a little over that now. Um, and basically, I, I knew nothing about wholesaling at that time. So I know there's a lot of people that watch these podcasts and say, oh my God, I don't even know where to get started, right? 
Um, but you nailed it when you said we are in the marketing business. We really are. That's what we do. So when I started this, I was looking to be a real estate agent. I said, you know what? I need something different. I'm going to go. I'm going to be a real estate agent. Then I started realizing all the red tape involved in that. And I just didn't want to work for somebody. I didn't want to have a broker above me. I just wanted to do my own thing. And uh, so Sean Terry Flip to freedom. His voice popped up on a YouTube video. You know how you just, you get lost watching all those videos sometimes and the next one pops up and the next one pops up. Boom. There goes Sean's video. And I hear, what's up, what's up? And I'm like, all right, who is this guy? He got my attention and uh, I became a fan of Sean real quick. It started getting into his videos, watching what he was doing. And I said, wow, okay, this is a different approach to take with real estate. And it's something I can go do without having to be an agent to report to someone. So uh, basically started doing my research in that, dropped some marketing, um, didn't know what I was doing, had never talked to a seller on the phone, had never tried to get a buyer's list. And I said, you know what, we're just gonna jump in. So sent some mail out, got a few calls, and when I say send mail, I sent like 500 pieces. Um, and they were postcards, just shot them out, pulled the list, I think it was list source, and uh, got a couple calls in. No idea what I was doing. We're answering the phone. Me and my wife. It's just like, okay, I, I don't even know what we're doing. At this. I point. like how you were just like balls to the wall, though, man. Like I just jumped in. I said, I don't know what I'm doing. There's really no better way to start because you know once you start making some mistakes, you don't make them again. You learn. You learn those lessons the hard way, but those are the best lessons. So, you know, 100%. guys, there's something to be said about that. You know, being prepared is you know is important, but taking action trumps that. You can yeah. learn as you go. So didn't mean to interrupt, Scott. I just want to emphasize some of these points for our listeners so we can provide the most value. I mean, you nailed it. Take, taking action is it. And you may have heard the phrase, you don't know what you don't know. And when you look at that and say, okay, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but I had to find out where I was going to get stumped. Polling a list, that was easy. People overthink list polling way too much. And they always have to have that perfect list. There isn't a perfect list. Let's just be honest. No matter what you mail, what you text, what you call, your message has to get to that seller at the time when they have time to deal with it or want to deal with it. Yep. So that's why response rates on mail aren't 100%. You get a very low response rate on those things. But the seller may want to sell a house, but your postcard has to get in their mailbox on a day where they actually want to deal with a the problem they have. And that's it. That's it. And it's all a gamble, right? I mean, you go to Vegas, you throw a hundred bucks on red, maybe you win, maybe you lose. You're sending those postcards out, but people spend way too much time saying, okay, I really have to look at this pre foreclosure list and I have to drill this down. Send the stuff, send yep. it. Um, so starting out, I mean, when we got our calls in, I got my first appointment booked and it was in Riverside, California. And I was so excited, but I was so scared because I had no idea what I was doing. I've always been able to talk to people. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go out there and I'm going to see what I can do. Go to the house. Seller completely shafted me. Her son's there, not her. I'm like, what, what is going on here? Seller's not even at the house, right? Lesson one I learned. Always make sure the seller or the signers are going to be at the appointment. I learned that one the hard way. So now I'm sitting here talking to her son. Her son steps in the other room, calls her, talks to me, goes back and calls her, talks to me, and is going back and forth. And I'm like, oh, man. There's no way it's going to work. So finally, I leave, and I finally get her on the phone after about two days and talk directly to her. 
and we start working out a deal, right? So decision makers, point one, that's who you have to talk to. If you're going to a house to talk to someone, you can ask someone prior to making that appointment, is there any other signers that will need to sign this? If it's a community property state like California, the husband, if he's talking to you, the wife will most likely need to sign or vice versa. So are you married? Oh, great. So your husband, uh, he may need to actually sign this as well. So when's the time I can come meet? Yeah, when are they both going to be out there? I love that. Great point. So I learned that one the hard way. And that's such a simple thing to do. And the husband may be the controlling party and say, well, you know, I'll talk to you and then I'll pass it on to my wife. Then you start saying, okay, objection, right? There's his objection. So listen, Mr. Seller, I really would like to talk to you guys both just so I can address all of your concerns. You know, have you ever played the game of telephone? You know, I tell you something, you tell your wife something, she tells you, you tell me. It's just much easier that all of us talk together so we're on the same page. I like that, that approach. I love that approach. I, I, I take the transparency approach as well. Um, as much as I possibly can, but I feel like it's just best to just kind of set the agenda, tell people what you need and how, and what, you know, basically, you know, we are here to help people, but sometimes in order to help them, I need something in return. I need some cooperation really is really what that comes down to. So yeah, tell them straight up before you go waste time on those appointments. Love that. Love that. Yep. So I, now I know that and we do that all the time, but I mean, with that deal there, once that finally closed, I mean, she signed that contract with me and I had no buyers, right? So now I'm on step two. How do I find a buyer? So I started advertising my deal out there, met with a few buyers of the properties and uh, was actually able to get it locked up for a whopping $4,200 that I made on that property. Um, so it wasn't, wasn't my highest wholesale fee by any means, but it showed success. It showed a working model. And then I had to figure out how can I duplicate that going forward. So, I mean, I, I took that 4,000 bucks and went all in, right? I put all that money right back in and said, this is marketing. Let's do it. And I just said, I'm going to do it. So I sent out, I increased my postcards, sent out more, started getting more calls in. You can start seeing a system working. And at that point, you start feeling real good about yourself. You start getting more contracts locked up. And this was early 2016 at this point. And 2016 was our first full year in business. And uh, we did $1.5 million that first full 12 months. And that happened by taking the system that was working and putting it in places to double it, triple it, quadruple it. So 500 mailers to 1,000 mailers to 1,500 mailers. I mean, now we're sending, we're sending uh, almost 200,000 mailers a month. So when you look at that and say, okay, how does your company grow? You have to be looking at what you're doing with your marketing, what you're doing with every aspect of your business, and you have to not be afraid to ask questions. So my business grew substantially um, when I said, okay, I need to learn more about this without watching YouTube videos. So as I started going, I joined, uh, at the time it was uh, REWW, Kent Clothier and Sean Terry's mastermind so join on youtube by the way lots of gold awesome. nuggets being dropped this is a podcast but sometimes we get excited and we just want to broadcast some stuff so boom also by the way um this is uh-oh is that you 
I think that's on your end. Nope, it is. Okay, I fixed it. We're good. Um, so yeah, so you guys scaled. Um, one thing that I've I've learned from from listening to you already is is that you love to go in hard. You like to go in. You're not afraid to invest in marketing. You don't look at marketing like an expense. You see it the same way I do. You look at it like an investment. Your very first marketing campaign was how many postcards and how long ago? 500 and that was in 2015. Love it. So mine was in 2015 as well. And I spent $1,300 on a credit card to towards postcards. So I did a little more than you did. However, mm -hmm. I was like 62 grand in credit card debt. And I hired a coach and did the postcard. So I went from 62 grand to 67 grand. Because the way I looked at it was, I'm already 60,000 in debt. What's an extra couple grand, five, six grand, right? So boom, we both did that. We saw the difference between um, making an, an investment in the marketing and it being an expense. Now, before we proceed, Scott, I do wanna say one thing because I don't wanna mislead people. I love transparency. The first month or two, it's gonna feel like an expense and it might be, all right, period. You may spend money and not see a return. That's an expense. An investment, spending money and seeing a return. The reason I say month one or month two, hopefully not month three, but it's possible, is because you should be doing deals by then. Don't expect yeah. to send a postcard campaign out, guys. And Scott, you know this, right? Mm -hmm. and, and expect to get three deals closed by next Tuesday. It's not going to yeah. happen. But you're going to get leads. You're going to get phone calls. You're going to start setting appointments and stuff's going to happen. It's going to fall in your lap. The harder you work, the luckier you get. We've all heard this. So moving forward, Scott, five years ago, 500 postcards. How many are you guys sending now? We're sending almost 200,000 a month now. 200,000 a month. Now, Scott's in multiple markets. Uh, <clears throat> so that's going to increase his spend. Obviously, he's doing marketing in two places. Um, also, the fact that you're in Southern California, I don't know that market at all. It's probably the most foreign market to me. I'm in the Midwest. I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. So, you know, a lot of the markets in my vicinity, you're talking, you know, 300, 400, 500 miles in every direction are pretty similar, right? Southern California is a whole different beast. I'd imagine the cost per lead is going to be higher there. Am I wrong? Yeah, cost per lead here is significantly higher. And I mean, you've got, it's a very competitive state, right? I mean, you look at like Arizona, it's like our guru capital of the world for real estate. They're all there. Uh, Southern California, I mean, there's very large spreads here when it comes to wholesale deals, but it, it does take a lot of effort to get that deal. And I know a lot of people that have said, there's no deals here. I'm going virtual. I'm going to St. Louis. I'm going somewhere else. And a lot of people do that. But the reason we like Southern California is because we cracked it, right? I mean, we, we stayed consistent with what we were doing and we pushed forward to actually build a business here. Um, but I, I like how you're being real with everyone right now. So I want to make sure we do the exact Dude, same. Drop it. What's up? You're talking to people and people, you're saying, hey, you may not see money for a couple months. That right there is one of the first times I've heard anyone say that. And that is so true because people are afraid to say it. When people are doing podcasts, I'm not. a lot of people say it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it may be an expense. Now, hopefully it's not, Scott. Hopefully you can spend some money and within one month you can get a deal. But don't be discouraged if you don't. Here's why. This is the third podcast I've done today. 
I got two more set, right? I try to bulk these. The reason I even say that is the first two were kind of really, I, they were really in line with this one. The first one was running appointments with my partner, Mike. The second one was the consistency and the follow-up. Um, mm -hmm. But you have to be transparent with your students and just all the listeners and viewers right now, right? The, the thing about wholesaling and real estate investing as in general is, you know, it, it does take some time. So my partner and I, Mike and I, we've done over 500 wholesale transactions in the last five years. And we love teaching people how to do these transactions. The average transaction for Mike and I in our business, right? Over the last five years, if you take all of the data, I've been full-time at this five years, been doing it real estate for 15, right? But if you take the data from the last five years, the average deal that we close takes four to six months. Now, it doesn't mean that I can't get a call today or Scott, you know, can't, can't get a call today, run an appointment that afternoon or the next day, get an appointment the same, or get a contract the same time as, as the appointment or the next day and have a buyer lined up that day or the next day, right? That's possible. It happens all the time. But in the beginning, it's not necessarily going to happen often because you don't have enough leads coming in. So you really need to nurture those leads. You need to be following up with those leads. And you have to understand that, you know, people, you, you, you did a really good job earlier, Scott, of saying that, you know, people's motivation changes very rapidly, right? Yes. And getting that postcard to them on the day that they are motivated is very important. That's why if you send it once and you don't get a ton of calls, doesn't mean that you had a bad mailer or even a bad list. It just means that for whatever reason, the motivation in the marketplace wasn't there the day those hit. So mail them again in a week or two or three or whatever that might be. Same thing with your follow-ups. If you are spending money on marketing, right? And you are going out and you are setting appointments and you aren't able to get the contract. You know, it just drives me crazy when people get this far in the business. They spend money on marketing or they generate those leads somehow, right? Time or money, one or the other. And they get out on the appointment and they don't make an offer or they don't make an offer the next day or a week later or whatever, right? They've spent so much time and effort. So following up with these people, you know, is as important. I love it. Absolutely love that. They're afraid to make the offer. I mean, they're afraid to make the offer. It's the thing is it comes down to confidence, right? So you've got one thing you touched on is consistency. So you need to be very consistent in every single thing in the business, right? So if you're sending out postcards, don't send out 500 postcards one time and say, well, didn't get the response I wanted, throw that list away, pull another list. I think there's, there's the kind of idea in this business that you have to have every tool before you start now. Oh man, I hate that. You have to subscribe to every single thing out there and pretty soon you've made no money, you've spent five grand on postcards, now you have a texting software, you've got a software to look up stuff, you've got, Podio you pay for because you wanted the bells and whistles. You got all this stuff <laughs> and your subscriptions add up to 1500 bucks a month and you haven't made anything. And that is such a misconception out there, right? Like there's drive for dollars programs. Deal machine is awesome. I use it. But for somebody on day one, grab a pen, grab a notepad, make some money. And that's why I was able to grow my business so fast. I didn't go and invest in every single little thing that somebody told me to do, right? I stayed my course. And if you listen to people talk out there, right, they'll say, hey, our new best thing is text messaging. But someone's making all this money on direct mail right now. And someone says, go to text messaging. They just, they go. Yeah, and they drop all the mail and all those efforts. 
And oftentimes yeah. you have to have six, seven, eight, ten touches, right? Yeah. So if you've mailed them five times, they're only two touches away from a deal with certain people. But they do. Shiny objects are a terrible thing in this business. Yeah. You know, I just had a, I, I just had a new student sign up um, two days ago. And he said, man, I've done some mail, done some bandit signs, done some door knocking. I do lots of cold calling. He's like, I'm just struggling to get a deal. Yeah. And I was like, well, let's talk about the consistency. How often are you doing these things? How much time are you spending? And he's flip-flopping. He's doing exactly that. And I'm not trying to call anybody out, but if you are that person that sees those shiny objects, stop. Because here, here is the thing. They all work. That's yeah. the secret that people mm -hmm. are looking for. They're always looking for that. Well, maybe this is better than that. Maybe this, sometimes something might be better, right? That goes without saying. But direct mail works. Cold calling works. Cold texting works. Door knocking, radio advertisement, bandit signs, networking. All of these things work and they get deals for Scott. They get deals for me. Mm -hmm. They work. So be consistent in those things. I love it. That is a huge gold nugget, Scott. Thank you for sharing. And I just, again, I'm reiterating here the value, right? There's nothing wrong with doing five, six, seven types of marketing. It sounds like Scott is. I know I am, right? I'm doing all these things. But I'm not half-assing them, and I'm not going in and out. I'm doing them all. I'm doing them consistently. So if you are new, the lesson here, right, is find one thing that you like doing, you enjoy when it comes to marketing. Maybe that's driving around and doing bandit signs. Maybe it's door knocking. Maybe you like the phones and you want a cold call. Or maybe you're lazy like me and you want to pay the radio station and my direct mail company to deliver my message to my customer so they call me. It doesn't matter what you choose. They all work. So I think what Scott is trying to say here, and I went off on a crazy tangent I can talk for days. Sorry, Scott. <laughs> I think the message that Scott is trying to teach you guys is on top of the fact that they all work is don't follow that shiny object. If you want to do mail, do it, get good at it, automate it, or get somebody on your team that can take over. Then that is when, at that point is when, then you should try to go do the next thing, which might be bandit signs or cold calling and get good at that. And it doesn't have to necessarily mean that you're a pro at it, but don't do it for a week or two, right? Get yeah. a system in place. I love it. So Scott, I don't want to take up a whole bunch of your time today. Again, I'm very grateful to have you and it's good to connect with you as well, man. Like I said, we didn't really know each other all that well, but I see you out there. You're a beast in the business. So I had to have you on the show. Thanks for coming. What are you doing in your business today? Is it just direct mail or are you doing other things too for marketing? Um, so for us, we do direct mail, cold calling, text messaging. So those are the three I did sources. The exact same things plus radio, but that's about it. Yep. Yeah, radio is something we never really dabbled in. Um, I think people think they have to do everything at once. Too. Well, driving for dollars too. We both mentioned that, but yeah, that's yeah, only half of it. Sometimes that's just generating the list. Whereas we right. can generate a list or we can go buy a list from there. We're still going to mail them, cold call them, cold text them. Right. Just depends yeah. on the data that we get from the list, but the list is generated in that way. Bandit Science too, Scott, I do a little bit of that, but that is, uh, we do it in waves. Now, I know I just said to everybody, be consistent. That's yeah. fine. But if you do big waves, that's another, that's a whole other beast. So instead of us buying 100 or 150 a week, we'll go buy 3,000 and just plaster the city with them. And then mm -hmm. we'll wait a two, two, three months and then we'll do that again. But again, we are consistent with the wave. 
So I love that, man. I love it. So you're doing a lot of mail. You're doing cold calling, cold texting, creating your own list, buying lists. You're in two markets. Tell me a little bit about your team. What's that look like? Yeah, so our team right now, we have 12 people on our team. Uh, the majority of our team is always going to be sales. So we have inside sales that does all of our texting uh, and warms up that lead for the pass off. And then our actual outside sales or acquisitions, as we call it, those are the guys that go in for the close. So they don't waste their time on cold leads. They're focused on medium and high probability. Cold stays with the inside sales team for follow-up. They stay with our, our, uh, leads team as well. So we have three people on our leads team that are answering our inbound calls. We're getting, well, let's go pre, <laughs> pre COVID. We were getting about 450 calls in a week right in there. So we have three uh, VAs that answer all of our inbound calls that funnel it through our system and schedule appointments for our acquisitions team. Uh, now those calls have That's now 90 dropped. calls a day. You guys are getting a ton of calls. Lot. Um, the majority are going to be your Monday through Friday. It tapers off on the weekends. Uh, but that slowed down pretty significantly as, you know, shutdowns and things occurred. So uh, we're, we're dealing with the COVID situation just like everybody else is right now. And we have seen a slowdown in business, but we just have to shift how we're doing things. So with our uh, acquisitions team, they're doing typically over the phone now, not going out to talk to people. Um, my dispositions team, um, they are still dealing with buyers, but they're having to make, you know, five times the calls to get a buyer on. In the past, we sent out a list and it's like, boom, we got a buyer. But now we're having to do five times the calls on every property because lenders are more strict. Buyers are buying with only bigger spreads. They're looking for those home runs because they don't know what the market's going to do. So we've had to adjust our business model for that quite a bit. Well, then our biggest challenge is, we're an in-office team, but everyone's at home right now. So it makes it a little more difficult for us uh, to have our camaraderie as a team, just because people are over Zoom calls and things like that right now. But if we wanna talk about, as a business, what we're doing right now, I mean, we are consistent in every single thing we do. We have a killer follow-up sequence to make sure that no seller gets left behind. So they're getting follow-up from our actual salespeople, but then if we don't close the deal, it goes back to my leads team for manual and auto follow-up as well. So my leads team is constantly following up with people. Are you hey, all on Podio or do you have another system as well? Uh, we use Podio, but we use the investor po uh, area of Podio. So it's the upgraded Podio. And we're investor currently- PO? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So we're switching over to their new system that takes us away from Podio completely. Uh, that transition should actually happen probably in the next like, two to three weeks, I believe. Yeah, so. I, I think a lot of people are already, or have taken advantage of that already. I know those guys pretty well. Um, yeah, Rob and system. Gary. And, uh, yeah, yeah, they're in a mastermind that I'm in. They have a phenomenal software. Um, so if there's yeah. anybody listening that's interested in uh, getting a really good software, uh, Investor PO is a great place. I use yeah. Podio and I use REI Blackbook. Um, yep. And we're shifting out of Podio to 100% REI Blackbook just because less is more. It's a comparable thing to Investor PO. Both are great. Love that. Very cool. Yeah, the system, whatever system you use, has got to right fit your business, right? So just because you use a different one than me, mine works no. for me. I don't want to switch because it's a real pain to switch systems yeah, too. It can be a pain, right? Right. You know, one but thing I tell a lot of students too is 
the CRM you choose, you know, doesn't really matter that much. Yes, it's going to have, some are going to have more bells and whistles than others. You know, how simple do you want it? How complex do you want it? Are you wanting something that's more focused on acquisition than disposition? I mean, there's a lot of options out there. But at the end of the day, a CRM does two things really, really well. It may have a hundred bells and whistles. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about what a CRM really does. And it's, it's, I break it down into basically two categories. One is notes and the other is tasks. That is it. You can mm -hmm. put all the data in. That's notes, right? Pictures yeah. even, comments, conversations, data from you know, your analysis or your due diligence of the property. That's all, that's all in there. It may look a certain way or be pretty or not or whatever. Either way, it's notes. It's stuff going in that you are putting in. And then last but not least is the task. When do I need to follow up next? Or in my case, and probably it sounds like yours too, when does the VA on my team or the, or the acquisition manager on my team get assigned to follow up with that person again? And again, you can have all these other things that help make that smoother, simpler, faster, easier. But at the end of the day, if you take out all the bells and whistles, that's what the CRMs all have in common. The ability to take notes and the ability to remind you to follow up. So I love that. So you talked about your marketing. You're doing a ton of it. You're spending 50,000 plus dollars a month on marketing, but you see it as an investment. So do I, because it's bringing you a positive ROI, a return on that investment. Um, you have a team, you're virtual. Um, you guys have Investor PO as a software. Um, what else, Scott? What am I missing? <laughs> So, I mean, if we want to talk about what we do very well, right? So Let's we're in a very, yeah. um, when it comes to talking with a seller and I, I've heard so many people talking with sellers and let's be honest, they're doing it wrong, right? Everyone, everyone's got their own way. So when you talk sales, cause that's really what it is. Everyone has got their own approach, which you need, right? Um, but everyone is so quick to go in for this kill, right? To go in and try to get that signature. They're at the house 10 minutes and that's their appointment and they're gone, right? We'll spend an hour, hour and a half at a house and we won't even talk about the deal until the last five minutes. So there's something called rapport building, right? That is so important because what you're doing is you're knocking on that door or you're making that phone call and you're immediately just talking. You're carrying on a conversation. Hey, how are you today? Great, great. If you're going into the house, you're walking around, you're having the seller show you around the house. A lot of people say, oh, Mr. Seller, I'm just, just gonna walk around real quick if you don't mind and take a look. And you leave the seller sitting in their living room. Not me. You're missing that opportunity to walk that house with that seller. I don't care about the offer. Let's be honest, when we go into the house, we know what we're gonna offer. Now that might adjust by five grand based on the house, but you've done your due diligence. You know what the comps are. You, so you guys know have a credibility packet that you bring, I would imagine, right? Anymore. We actually stopped. Okay, um, right. let's talk about that. So we have one. I'm lazy. I don't use it every day, obviously. The main things that are in there that I think are important that we teach our students, though, is, you know, always have a contract on you. Always yeah. have an option agreement as well. A lot of investors don't even know what that is. But if it's not a great deal, why not try to help them, but also not be obligated to buy? It gives you the ability to buy if needed. It's not something that we use every day, but there are those people that a listing doesn't make sense. 
They can't afford our offer, but there's still something there that we can maybe help them with. So, you know, purchase and sale, option agreement, proof of funds, I think can be very helpful. Um, but probably the most important thing, and again, I don't use it every, every appointment, but I should, is what we have in, uh, it's called a seller's net sheet. And you've probably seen these before. It's not multiple offers. Don't be confused. A lot of people say, oh, we go out and we make three or four offers on every property with different terms. Well, we do that too. But the seller's net sheet isn't about those other offers. Instead, it's about making yours look best, right? And that may not even mean that it's the highest, right? Scott, you know this. The highest offer isn't the best. What is best is how to solve the problem for the seller, which mm -hmm. may be time, not money, right? So what we do is we say, hey, if, you know, the house, and we basically... We basically do this, Scott, and I didn't mean to interrupt you because I want to hear your approach too, but I, do, I, I love just throwing value out whenever I see the opportunity. And one of the things that we do is we do our, our MAO formula. You're familiar, right? MAO equals ARV times roughly 70% minus repairs. And then if you're wholesaling, minus your wholesale fee. Well, that formula is simple for an investor, but it complicates, it, it's complicated when you show it to a, a seller, an owner, because they see a 30% discount. So instead, we show them what all of those um, you know, things might be, but we also show them that if they were to do their own repairs and fix it up, you know, what that number would look like, but more importantly, not what that number would look like, how long it would take them, right? Yeah. So they may make 10 grand more doing a good rehab, but hiring an agent, and that may take them five to 10 months. They may make the same amount of money by doing a low-grade you know, rehab. Again, hire an agent. It's going to be time-consuming. You're going to have seller concessions. You're going to have holding costs. You're going to have agent commissions. You're going to have cost of repairs. You're going to have holding taxes, insurance. Boom, boom, boom. You get it. Um, or they can take our offer, which may not even be the best, meaning it's not the highest, right? But it is the best in certain scenarios because it closes in 10 days, right? So that's something that we definitely bring along in our credibility packet. Again, I didn't mean to interrupt you. You're probably like, who is this guy interviewing me? He won't shut up. <laughs> I get it. But I, uh, I want to hear why you guys don't have one or have gone away from it because I'm sure it's you got a great reason. I mean, we have a great credibility packet. Uh, we, we have hundreds of them printed, but we don't use it. And part of the reason we stopped using it, the only thing we bring to the appointment is our seller contract. And we used to go with like a little iPad Bad presentation we'd have then we went to the credibility packet the reason we went away from it is it takes the seller's focus off of see that's perfect uh, it takes the seller's focus off of us and it takes the seller's focus off of our conversation with them so if you give the seller something to look at or you're walking them through it they feel like they're just another person you're going to talk to and you're gonna leave after this and go to somebody else and do that exact same presentation yeah, so I, I love that. I think that's very, very important. We took away the feeling of a repetitive, practiced conversation, right? We, we basically made it so that seller sees it. We're literally here for them. We're here to learn about them. We'll flip, slip in the things about our company we need to. And if the seller really needs something, we'll make sure we get them that information. But bottom line, our job is to go to that house and build such a good rapport with that seller that they take our offer. And they don't want to go look at other offers. They just want that one. 
I mean, a lot of times they're going to talk to other people. And most of the time we're not the highest and they will still go with us because of that. Yeah. We treat Guys, them. Did you like, hear what he just said? He said, most of the time we are not the highest and they will still go with us. I love it. I, I experienced that as well, Scott. Um, make a friend. That's really all that you want to do on the appointment other than get the agreement signed. I mean, that's the goal, right? But the plan should be make a friend. I mean, oftentimes, and I think you can agree, Scott, we've been doing this about the same amount of time. Um, the problem oftentimes isn't the house itself. That's, that's just what helps solve it. The underlying problem usually is death, divorce, disease, relocation, so on and so forth. The house has nothing to do with it. It's just, a, it's just something in the way, right? Yeah. So by buying the house, we can, we can solve the underlying problem. Um, one thing that you had mentioned was that you are there to you know, make a friend, build the rapport, and not distract them. And we do this as well, but I think um, one of the approaches that you guys use is you're, taking it, is you're taking it to the next level, but it's this approach. It's Mr. or Mrs. Seller, it's not me versus you. Instead, it's me and you versus the marketplace. So let's look at the marketplace, let's work our numbers backwards, now, when you do it that way and you have that approach and it's really that mindset, Scott, um, what happens is that low offer that may have gotten you kicked out 10 minutes prior now makes sense and is fair because it's not like, oh, I'm not giving you 50 grand or 100 grand for this property. I'll give you 60. Well, that's, you know, that's not the best approach. Instead, it's like, all right, Mr. or Mrs., you know, we both agree that fixed up, it could be worth 120, right? But, but... In order to get there, it's going to need 25 worth of work, right? We, we, we both know that. And I'm going to have these other costs. And guess what? When I go to sell it, I'm going to have to pay the agent just like you would. And the buyer, they're going to have an agent and an inspector. And then they're going to come in. They're going to want money or repairs. Same as, as, as you would, right? So you, you, you change the dynamic from me versus you. Here's my offer. Do you want to take it to me and you versus the market, right? What can we do together to make this number fair for both sides, but also justify it to where it's not a low offer, it's a fair offer. Same offer, just different way of looking at it. So, Scott, we'll you are filled with nuggets, my man. <laughs> we'll do the analysis you're talking about, too, where we do the comparison with a realtor, but we don't bring, like, a sheet for it. What we do is we act like it's something we've never done. We flip our entire contract over, get and on the the contract we just chicken scratch it right it. it looks like we've never done it like oh we're not prepared for this because we really never need to do this and the back of our contracts will have writing on them all the time because it doesn't have anything to do with the contract itself but if we come with a preset sheet of paper then again it looks like something we already planned on happening if we're just like oh man i don't have a piece of paper oh you know what here pull this contract out flip it over now you've got the contract into the conversation right? You've gotten a contract to the table without saying, oh, let me pull out this contract. You've gotten it there. It's flipped over. They just don't know it's the contract yet. So now you're scratching all over the back of it. You're flipping it around so they can see it. You learn how to, you know, write upside down on some of these things. <laughs> right upside yep. down, just create some humor. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me flip this back around. Okay. And then you're going through and talking to them about it. And you say, you know, going with us is pretty easy flip it over this is all we need to do this is it keep it simple love it scott a couple more quick questions for you um how is it different operating the business virtually in dallas 
versus, you know, the other business of the local, right? I mean, that's, that's, it's, it's the same business, but it's, it's very different. So how do you, how are you guys running that virtually? So we don't offer a, we don't uh, do a hundred percent virtual there. I actually took one of my top sales guys and said, Hey, do you want an opportunity? And I put him on a plane. I put his stuff on a truck and we <laughs> said, I love it. So we said, Hey, this is a new opportunity for you, for you to literally run. This is our headquarters here for you to run our branch, right? For you to almost run this franchise for us. Um, so we, we put him out there. And the so reason he, I, he went to the, to the, he was empowered to then go find the, the boots on the ground to run those appointments and the other people. He is the boots on the ground. Okay, so he's he a, is that guy then. Got it. Okay. So he's the one taking pictures, running the appointments, looking at the repairs. And then you have a team elsewhere, virtual probably, or maybe in Southern Cal. That's helping assist on, on all other fronts. I love it. I mean, our, our headquarters or home office that you want to call it will always be here. And then all of our leads team, they answer all the calls for them. They book the appointments. You wouldn't know that he's not in the office in most cases. But the reason I decided to send someone there is because historically, if we go in person to an appointment, we're going to get it in California about $25,000 less then we would have got it over the phone because you're face to face. There's just a, a different aspect to that. And in Texas, we're getting it about 10 to $12,000 less by being there versus Total, doing I agree with that, with that mindset. We, so I, I, I don't do much virtual. I do a little, right? Most of it's in St. Louis where I live. It's where I invest. We have about 65 rental properties, always have anywhere from five to 10 flips going. Um, and then we do a lot of wholesaling as, as well, anywhere from six to 10 deals in a month. And uh, when we are, when we go, we always have a better, lower, more valuable price for us than if we're doing it virtual. So I think that that's, that's phenomenal. Scott, thanks again for coming on the show. Um, I want to keep the episodes short, so I don't want to go too long here, but I definitely want um, to highlight all things Scott Oots. Scott, where can people find you online, social media, but also you have um, a course, I believe? Yeah, so what we have is we have a sales training course. So uh, we looked at the market. So me and uh, Mike, my, my COO, he's very good at sales. And what we did is we came together and said, what are some of the things that just aren't taught enough, right? People can learn how to send mail by watching YouTube videos. They can buy everyone's courses that are out there. Uh, but we wanted to do something different. So we said, what can we do different than a product that's offered? So we started what's called the REI Masters, and it is an in-person sales training. So you can go to a sales training with 200 people in it. You can sit and watch that PowerPoint presentation. For us, it's different. You're looking at 30 people maximum in the room. And we're not sitting there having you watch a PowerPoint. We're actually calling your leads. You're calling your leads. Oh, I love that. Hands on. Right? You're, you're going to call your lead and we're going to make you mute the phone. So we tell you a different approach and our <laughs> goal is to help you lock up deals in the room and you're going to spend the whole time role playing, practicing, learning, objection fighting. We're going to get you through all of this over two days. Our goal is to get you in the room, literally lock the doors from the outside and say lunch is being brought in. No one's leaving. We are going to sit in here and we are going to learn how to do sales properly how to build rapport. So 
we built that and we've got the thing ready to go. And then COVID hit. Oh, uh, our, no. <laughs> our first event was supposed to be in Dallas um, two weeks ago. Um, but unfortunately, we didn't go there because of this. We talked about switching it online, but the whole point in what we're doing is really just having this in-person Intimacy, thing. right. So, you, yeah. So, you're going to have to re you guys have a new date on the books yet or, or not yet? Kind of waiting until things start opening up yeah. and then we'll real quick. Um, but if they go to thereimasters.com, you can check it out on there. Uh, we can probably work out a, a promo code for you uh, to give them a discount or something if they want to sign up with it. Sweet. That would be great. Guys, thereimasters.com. Go check it out. Scott's the real deal. Um, I have been really pushing to get, you know, investors on the podcast that are doing big things scott fit that perfectly he's doing huge things so if you guys want to learn more about um, his program on sales i think it's phenomenal that they are you know metaphorically locking themselves in a room and they're forcing people to get on the phone set appointments probably make offers i'm sure deals will be done at this event it sounds like a perfect place for a deal to get done um, and not a lot of people are really doing that hands-on approach. So I think it is phenomenal. Scott, how can somebody find you on social media? Uh, you can look me up at the Scott Oots. Oots is O-O-T-S. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, got a YouTube channel as well. Um, so we've got some stuff going there. Uh, we just built my new studio here. Like it. Uh, so we're ready to get some stuff going. But um, yeah, I mean, come find me on there. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on YouTube. We're gonna have some good content. All that content's free. People helped me get going when I was getting going, and I want to do what I can to try to give back and help people change the direction of their life. I love what I didn't go anywhere. I hadn't been going anywhere. I was broke, but now I'm making money because of these free things that cost me nothing. And all I ask in return, help somebody else get started as well. And that, that's what I want to see happen. There's so much stuff out there. Uh, there's so much paid stuff out there, but there's a lot of free stuff out there too. Speaking so, of free stuff, guys, head over to freewholesalecourse.com. That's my course. Also, brand new, freewholesaleblueprint.com. It's different than the course. This is the systems that I use in my business. We talked a little bit about it earlier. You may not need all of these in the beginning, but as you scale to a level that Scott or I is at, you're going to want some systems in there. I love yeah. it. Check Scott's uh, course out, the REI Masters. Did I get that right? That's it. The REIMasters.com. Scott, give me some departing words for my audience. If you are new at real estate investing, what should you be focusing on and what should, what's the mindset you need to have? So right now, the fact that so many people are locked down at home because of this whole COVID thing, right now, everyone should be watching some of those YouTube videos, making cold calls, because guess what? Your sellers are at home as well right now. Yes, they are. They're at home. They've been watching Netflix now for a month in a lot of cases, and they, they are, right? Granny wants to talk to you. So call and talk to her. She's been bored in her house, can't see her family, right? Start calling these people, especially elderly people. Don't go see them right now, but start calling them because they're going to want to carry on a conversation with someone. Don't say, when this is over, I will do A, B, and C. Look at it and say, what can I do right now to start doing something? So when this is over, you're way ahead and you can go run appointments and make money. 
don't wait. You got to take action. You got to take that first step to get something going. Otherwise, you're going to be sitting and looking back three years from now and saying, well, I'm going to start next week. Well, I'm going to start next week. If you want to change your life and you want to do something, do it. Start now. Do it. Guys, wow. This podcast episode has been phenomenal. Tons of gold nuggets. I want to personally thank Scott for coming on, sharing some of his time. Very, very valuable. Um, again, I'm very grateful for you, Scott. Thank you for giving me some of your time today. I know it's difficult with all the things that we're doing in our business. I want to drive some traffic to your event. So guys, if you want to learn how, it's not even learn. I want to change it. If you want to be forced into doing deals, you got to go check this out. The reimasters.com. Couple of things I want to finish off this episode with, guys. You make your money when you buy. You get paid when you sell. We are in the marketing business. Don't forget it. Keep telling yourself that you can do this. It is not necessarily hard. This business is simple. You got to be persistent and you got to have consistency. Scott, thanks for coming on the show. We thanks appreciate for having your time. It's been a Signing lot of fun, off, guys. Signing off. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe to help us reach a wider audience. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, please visit freewholesalecourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. We would also appreciate it if you left us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you in advance for your support. And remember, you make your money when you buy and you get paid when you sell. Now let's go build some wealth.